Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader here for another episode. I am once again joined by Zach Lemaster, the CEO and founder of Rent to Retirement. And today we have a special guest with us. It is Garrett Sutton. He is the author of numerous number one books, but his most recent one is called Veil Not Fail, Protecting Your Personal Assets from Business Attacks. He's a rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki and founder of the Sutton Law Center. Garrett, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, you are a big advocate, I think it would be safe to say, of uh, asset protection. So, and I remember I met you at a conference and I said, Garrett, when's the right time for me to uh, to start my LLC and start putting properties in there? You know, I think at the time I only had one or two and um, you informed me I was already too late and I needed to work on it. And I want you to know I've had my asset paperwork for a year and it hasn't been filed yet. And my wife's about to kill me. Um, so I guess in in my question to you is a question that we get a lot. When's the right time to start protecting our assets? And you know why do we really need to do it? Well, it's funny. Wives do get concerned. Uh, mine is equally concerned, Adam. Uh, so the right time to do it is immediately when you get that first property. Uh, if you can, you want to take title in the name of the LLC. If the bank says, no, you got to take title in your personal name, then you want to transfer title to the LLC shortly thereafter, because every day the title is in your individual name, uh, you're personally responsible. A tenant sues, hopefully you have insurance, but it, if it's a bad claim, they can get the equity in the property and all of your other personal assets. By putting an LLC in place, that's the boundary. They can't get past the boundary of that LLC unless they pierce the veil, which is the topic of my new book. Uh, but I recommend setting up that LLC right at the start. Yeah, you mentioned um, one of the things that you touch on a lot is the different kinds of attacks that can happen to your LLC. Can you touch a little bit about the internal and external attacks so that people know in general kind of what kinds of things can go wrong and how they, their LLCs and asset protection can come under fire? That's a really good question, Adam. So we have two types of attack. Uh, the first type of attack is called the inside attack, where the tenant is leasing from the LLC. The tenant gets injured. They sue the LLC. That's who they rented from. And they have a claim against the LLC. They can get what's inside that LLC. Again, hopefully the insurance covers you, but in an extreme claim, they can get what's inside there, which is why we don't put 10 properties into one LLC. The tenant suing over one property can get the equity in all 10. So that's the inside attack. And it's it, the rule is the same in all 50 states. All right. We're more concerned about the outside attack when it comes to which state we're going to use. Uh, the outside attack is when you get in a car wreck. It has nothing to do with the real estate, but the car wreck victim has a claim against you. They'd love to get at that duplex that you own. And in certain states that are very weak, California, New York, Utah, uh, in the outside attack where they, they have a claim against you personally, 
they can go barge into the LLC and force a sale of that duplex. However, in the strong state like Wyoming or Nevada, in the outside attack, this doesn't apply to the inside attack. It's the outside attack when they're, the car wreck victim is suing you, they can only get what's called the charging order. And that's a lien on distribution. So they can't barge in and force a sale. They have to wait for distributions to be made. Now, attorneys who are representing people in these car wreck cases are on a contingency. They get paid when they collect. And so we like to have enough insurance. That's the pot of red meat that the attorneys can get at. But if your assets are held by a Wyoming parent holding LLC, the attorney knows they're going to have to, in most cases, go to Wyoming, get a judgment there, monitor if distributions are made. It's just not a good use of their time, especially when they're on a contingency. So we always recommend, Adam, that our clients have insurance uh, in the name of the LLC uh, and an umbrella policy for your personal uh, insurance. The attorneys know how to get at the insurance. And then we have Wyoming holding LLCs or Nevada holding LLCs to prevent people from getting inside an LLC on the outside attack. That's how we structure things. That's really, uh, really important to know, Garrett. And I, I appreciate you breaking that down for us as, as far as, because that's a, what a lot of people want to know is like, what's my risk factor here? Most people think about the potential of a tenant suing, which I think is probably more of a rare situation, but more than likely, if someone knows that you have assets, um, you know, like real estate and there's some sort of potential lawsuit out there, whatever the case is, then they, they would uh, try to attack those um, those assets of yours potentially. And in your case, assuming that they were successful in that, you know, I guess that's, that's where that additional um, considerations are taken into place with distribution and things like that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about different LLC structuring because, and you, you talked about this a little bit, but this is something we hear about all the time is, you know, we know you've made it very clear that it's important someone protects their assets right away um, because really you never know, right? I mean, uh, when, when do you, you need the LLC when you're getting sued, right? But called you, an accident, could, right? Yeah, that could <laughs> happen. Plan. Yeah, you can't put the seatbelt on after the accident. If you've been sued and you held title in your individual name, you are personally responsible. You can't run to the courthouse and put the asset into an LLC after you've been sued. Um, so why not do it at the start? Agreed, 100%. And I always tell people it's important. To, you, you think about the property and then your personal assets, but I mean, the retirement, everything. You want to separate out the, um, the asset from, um, you know, your personal, uh, your personal assets and personal net worth and primary residence and vice versa. And also ver against other properties, right? Separating them out from other properties. Absolutely. So if you have a brokerage account, if you have golden bullion, crypto, you can put that into a separate LLC and protect that. If you get sued in the car wreck case, your, your uh, brokerage account, your other uh, paper assets are held in a separate LLC and you're much better protected than leaving a, a very you know, large stock brokerage account in your individual name. So this applies not only to real estate, but to other holding assets. And then your home, you mentioned your home, Zach. In some states, you use the homestead exemption. Uh, Florida and Texas uh, provide unlimited protection 
in other states, they don't have a homestead exemption. So you have to consider using LLC. So, you know, each state is a little different. This is not a complete cookie cutter uh, process here. We've got to look at the state that you're living in and the number of assets you have, because we want to protect them all the best we can. And that's why it's so important to have someone that understands real estate when it comes down to adequately advising you on how to protect your portfolio that you're working so diligently on building. I mean, this is hard earned money that we're all, you know, we've, we've saved up and paid taxes on and then used as down payments or possibly raised capital from other people. So it's really important that this structure is set up appropriately and, and working with the right professionals to do so. Um, one thing we hear about though on the structure is there's, you talk to so many different people, you get these different perspectives about, you mentioned Wyoming and Nevada. I mean, that's where we personally set up our LLCs, not just because I'm from Wyoming, but because of that. Um, we, we've heard certain things about have one LLC per property or one LLC with like individual land trust, revocable trust, series LLCs. I mean, all sorts of stuff out there. Can you give us your opinion on for the average investor that owns five to 10 doors, a couple of different states? What, what would you recommend? Um, well, OK, that example, I, I'm not a fan of the series LLC. We don't have any court cases on it. Um, I don't know how the legal system is going to handle a series LLC. There was one case in Alabama and the court was confused by it. Uh, <laughs> and the case must have settled. We don't know what happened. But, you know, the, the series LLC is to me too new. So let's go with your example, Zach. You've got uh, a couple properties in several states. I would have an LLC in the state where the property is located. So you have an Oregon property. We put it in an Oregon LLC. You have a Kentucky property. We put it into a Kentucky LLC. If you get sued by the tenant, Oregon and Kentucky law applies, right? You're, it, the law of the state where the property is located applies. That's the inside attack. Now, for the outside attack, I would have those two LLCs owned by one Wyoming LLC. We only need one. And for the outside attack, the car wreck victim coming after you would love to get at the Oregon and Kentucky properties, but you don't own them. You own the Wyoming LLC. They have to fight through the Wyoming LLC. And there, all they get is the charging order, which is a lien on distribution. So they, they get an order saying, yeah, you can collect, but you may never make any distributions. You may leave the money in the Kentucky and Oregon LLC. And so you have a lot more protection than having it in your individual name. You're much better off using this combination of LLCs. And this is not expensive. You know, I hear people say that, oh, this asset protection is going to cost me ten dollars or $20,000. It doesn't. You know, we charge a flat fee of $695 plus the state filing fees. And you can call us up for a free 15-minute consultation at corporatedirect.com. And we'll go through it all with you. If there's a fit, uh, fine. We're happy to help you. If you don't feel comfortable with us, that's fine. Go somewhere else. We're, you know, we only want to work with people that understand our system and we're happy to explain it to you. Is this something um, that, uh, I mean, when you set up these different LLCs, okay, so you have Wyoming or Nevada LLC, and then you have multiple LLCs in the state that the property is owned. I mean, you, you need a registered agent uh, for those. Um, it doesn't sound like we're doing foreign filing of an LLC in other states. It's just the state that the properties are located. D does your company operate as uh, registered agents as well? Or what about like maintenance of that LLC? 
Yeah, we uh, provide reg registered agent services in all 50 states. And so when I mentioned the 695, that includes the registered agent fee for the first year. That's included in our package. And then every year thereafter, it's $125. Uh, and it's important to do this. The registered agent is there to accept notice of a lawsuit. And you want a registered agent that is open from eight to five. Uh, you want them to accept that service of process and get you the information immediately because you've got to turn that over to your insurance company. You know, these people who say, oh, well, just hide and, you know, don't don't accept the registered agent stuff. <laughs> your insurance company can say, look, if you didn't give us proper notice, you want to get notice of that lawsuit so you can turn it over to the insurance company. Yeah. Hiding, hiding doesn't tend to work well when it comes to, to law. That's not an adequate no. defense. No, <laughs> exactly right. You want to know that. Here's the thing. If they go to the registered agent service and, you know, you haven't paid the $125 and the, the agent says, I'm sorry, we're not representing them anymore. The server, the process server goes back to the court and says, look, we tried to serve them at the registered agent office. They wouldn't accept service of process. The judge says, okay, you can publish notice in the newspaper of the lawsuit. And you know, in the legal section, in the back of the newspaper, the little two point type, that's your notice. And most people never see it. They go, the process server then goes back to the judge and says, you know, we tried the registered agent. We published notice in the newspaper. We got no response. And the court's response is, well, default judgment. The other side has won. And that's not a good position to be in. Uh, you want to have that notice right away so you can get your insurance company on on task to fight this claim. Now, setting this this stuff up um, is a tax deduction, right? I mean, it's, it's from yeah, it's a, a business, business perspective. expense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned kind of putting your, you know, Oregon or Kentucky inside the Wyoming it sounds, you know, some people might then think, well, then why don't I just continue putting LLCs inside LLCs and make it a logistical nightmare for, you know, anybody to get to, you know, how much depth can people go into to, you know, how much depth does it make sense to go into to actually protect your assets? Well, let, let me just, in terms of uh, the visual, the, the Kentucky LLC is not really inside the Wyoming LLC. The Kentucky LLC is owned by the Wyoming LLC. They're two separate entities. Um, and then the Kentucky LLC is a single member LLC, meaning it's owned by Wyoming. Wyoming is owned by you, which is a single member. And so for federal tax return purposes, you don't have to do another federal tax return. Everything flows onto your personal return. So you save on tax returns there. How many layers do you need? And I guess your question, Adam, is I have the Wyoming LLC. Do I need a Nevada and then another Wyoming and, and on and on and on? We don't do that. I mean, you know, we don't want to set up more entities than you need. Um, you know, some of these people out there are trying to sell you as many as they can and, you know, that's just not fair to the client. You need one Wyoming LLC. That's what you need. Does that also mean that from a banking perspective um, that you don't need a separate bank account for each property um, since it's in a different LLC? Or would you recommend that? You know, to, to protect the veil, this is the new book, Veil Not Fail. We talk about separate bank accounts. 
you should have a separate bank account for each LLC. Now, that LLC can own two or three properties. It's a judgment call, how many properties you put into one LLC. Uh, but you want the Kentucky LLC to have its own bank account. It's going to flow the money down to the Wyoming LLC, which has its own bank account. And then the money will flow to you, to your personal bank account. Um, so we do need uh, a bank account for each entity just to help protect the corporate veil. Now, does one of the lawyers I talked with discussing asset management recommended that you have that the money flow from the Wyoming into a holding company um, just to kind of, I don't know if it was just another layer or what, but is that something that is necessary or is it okay just to go straight to you? Well, the Wyoming LLC is the holding company, so you can park the money there, right? It could be the holding company. And then it distributes the money to you when you need it. Um, I do like to split up the, the real estate holding entity with the brokerage holding entity. So I would have a separate Nevada LLC for a large brokerage account. Um, the reason for a second Nevada LLC for brokerage would be twofold. One, Wyoming has this little franchise fee if you hold assets in Wyoming and it doesn't apply to the real estate, but for the brokerage, it does. And so it's cheaper in the long run for a Nevada LLC. Secondly, if someone's coming after you, uh, they have to fight a battle in Wyoming for the real estate. Then they have to fight a battle in Nevada for the brokerage. So we do want to make it as difficult as possible for people to reach your assets. I mean, that's a discussion I find myself having a lot when we talk about different asset protection is um, you, you have the corporate veil, you have the legal process of being able to actually protect the asset, but then you just have the logistical process um, of actually going through with an attorney and spending the time and energy to, to try to recoup some of those funds. And it seems like um, while that's not necessarily a le technical legal uh, structure to follow, I mean, that is something of reality to be aware of when structuring, right? Of how the court systems go, to what extent is that person going to, and, and their attorney, you know, continue to pursue you? I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, we always recommend that our clients have a, a, a policy, a personal umbrella insurance policy. All right. I think one of the biggest risks out there is that horrific car wreck. And with the personal umbrella policy, your home and your autos are with the same insurance company, say it's farmers. And you say, okay, I have my home and auto with you. I'd like a quote for the personal umbrella policy. And typically for an extra million dollars of coverage, it's $400 a year, all right, somewhere around there. And some of my clients will have a $5 million umbrella policy and you know pay a couple grand a year. But the umbrella policy is there, if you get in that horrific car wreck, there's enough insurance money for the attorney to get. It's the pot of red meat that they know how to get. And with everything else in Nevada and Wyoming LLCs, it's just a lot of extra work for the attorney to go after those uh, LLCs. It's not a good use of their time. They're on a contingency. They only get paid when they collect. So we have enough insurance money for them to get. And then we have these barriers of Nevada and Wyoming LLCs. And to be frank, we don't see many attorneys going after Nevada and Wyoming LLCs. It's just not a good use of their time. Yeah. 
What about uh, one of the hot things for real estate investors the last few years has been um, putting their properties into land trusts? What are your thoughts on land trusts? I don't like land trusts. They offer no asset protection. There's a lot of misinformation on the internet about land trusts. Uh, I wrote a whole chapter about them in this book, Loopholes of Real Estate. Uh, so there's a lot of information about land trusts and the fallacy of land trusts uh, in loopholes of real estate. We do not set them up. What is the, the biggest fallacy? Is it just that it is actually asset protection? Yeah. Yeah. People make these claims. Many of them aren't attorneys that they provide asset protection. They do not. Yeah. But from what I understand, it's mostly just anonymity, right? That's the big draw of them. Well, here's the issue. And that's what I wrote about in loopholes. Um, the issue of anonymity, they, they will sell you this idea of a land trust and you put the land trust on title to the property. All right. And then there's no listing of who uh, owns it or how they can get in touch with the land trust beneficiary. Remember, we were talking about the registered agent, right? So the attorney is looking for the owner of the land trust and they don't give up. They publish notice in the newspaper, right? So the whole idea of being private and not having to accept service of process leads to you having a default judgment against you. It just, it makes no sense. You know, you want the person to be able to reach you so you can get to your insurance company. With this privacy uh, anonymity uh, idea with the land trust that no one can find you, all they have to do is go to court get permission to publish notice in the newspaper. You're not going to see that notice and your land trust has a judgment against you. They have a judgment against the land trust. They find out who the beneficiary is and you know, you're personally responsible for the claim. It's, it's not a good system. Well, I know that Adam reads the newspaper every day on the fine print. So, I mean, <laughs> I think every, every person under the age of uh, 50 reads the newspaper every day, right? Yeah, it's still legal notice. <laughs> what, what about, and that's crazy to me, um, but let's, let's talk about the due on sale clause because I guess, in, okay, so going back to technicalities here, you recommend putting the closing in the LLC. I mean, as we've seen, most uh, conventional lenders require you to close in your own name which at that point you can transfer title to the LLC. And you made a good point of transferring the insurance as well to the LLC. That's something that I don't know if I've personally done, um, you know, and I don't know if that would have an issue with the lender or not, but I guess just that's, that's, that's what's well, that? The thing. Just pisk, Zach. I, I know, right? Well, you got to file your paperwork still. So. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so it's still in our name, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing with the insurance and the LLC. So you're going to take title in your name. The insurance policy will be in your name. You're going to transfer as soon as you can title from your name into the name of the LLC. You're going to go to your insurance company and say, hey, you know, title is now in the name of the LLC. And the insurance company may say, well, geez, an LLC is a business entity. We have to charge you a higher premium which is nonsense. The risk of a fire is the same, whether it's in your name or the LLC name. So here's how you skin the cat. You say, okay, leave the premium in my name, but list my LLC as an additional insured. Uh, and that okay. way you're covered. No, it makes complete sense. And thank you for specifying that Garrett. So um, if you got to close in your own name, transfer title to an LLC, we see it all the time. We do this personally. I mean, thousands of investors, um, you know, the, some concern would be this due on sale clause. 
of the bank calling the loan due, which we've never personally seen or really heard of, but it's out there. Let's let's hear well, your opinion on that. Let me clarify that. So first of all, the due on sale clause, you haven't sold the property. You've transferred it from you to you. It's not a taxable event. You haven't sold it. Um, the magic language is continuity of obligation. And what that means is when you transfer title from your name into your LLC, you still have a personal guarantee to the bank, right? That doesn't change. The bank still has a first deed of trust on the property. That doesn't change. So there's this continuing obligation on your part to pay the bank. Their position hasn't changed. In fact, I would argue, and I think most banks are starting to see this now because it's gotten better over the last 10 years. You're, you're in a better position when title is in the name of an LLC. You're less likely to be sued. And that's good for the bank. <laughs> so not something to be concerned about. And, um, you know, we see people do it constantly. So is it better to ask permission or forgiveness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. You don't want to, I mean, in the bank really probably doesn't even know, to be quite honest, that, you know, I mean, the, the title and your mortgage are two separate things, right? And so the bank, I mean, really doesn't doesn't know. And it's not about hiding it from them. Um, well, you're you know, going to send them a mortgage check with in the name of the LLC, right? You're going to open a bank account for that LLC. You're going to pay the mortgage with an LLC check. And the bank has notice. And as long as you're paying the mortgage, why would a bank ever call the loan? <laughs> and yeah. I've always thought that, okay, if, if that truly were to happen, what would stop someone from just transferring title back to their name um, if, if, if they were to call it due? I mean, obviously, the hats, you know, that's... Yeah, you would say, oh, I'm sorry. And you would transfer it back to your name. And then we have plan B. But... <laughs> you know, so there's another way to deal with it, but it just never happens. Right. Yeah. Now, when it comes to LLCs, you know, you mentioned having the one for every state. Now I'm assuming based on that, you know, you just put the properties into an LLC until you're uncomfortable with the amount of equity that's in them. And then you form another one in that same state. So then you'll have multiple ones. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, let's say you have a number of properties in Ohio. All right. You start with one Ohio LLC uh, and the first property goes into the first Ohio property goes into the Ohio LLC. Then you buy a second one and you go, you know, the equity between these two properties is a hundred thousand. I'm okay with two properties in one LLC. Then it becomes a judgment call. You buy an, the next property and it's worth 500,000 free and clear. Do you put it in the same LLC with two other properties or do you set up a second Ohio LLC for that one property? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. And, you know, during the free 15 minute consultation, we'll go through this with you. But really, it's a judgment call. It's your decision. How many properties per LLC? No, that's a great point. A lot of lenders actually require when you're talking about non-QM money, they require an LLC to be established, too. So you know, that could be a pre-existing or you could set up a new one to do that. So I know a lot of the construction lenders require that or, you know, portfolio lenders. So it, it's something that you need to do regardless and, and may even be required based on the financing. Um, Garrett, I know that your association with Robert Kiyosaki, I mean, you have really advised him and protected his assets. And, you know, he's, he's such a public figure in the real estate space. Uh, can you share a little bit of your personal experiences and kind of 
how things were, were done and kind of how your relationship to Robert evolved over time? Yeah, I became acquainted with Robert in uh, the year 2000. And uh, they were looking for a Nevada attorney. I'm, I'm based here in Reno, as you can see, I've <laughs> got the map behind me. Um, and so, you know, Robert and I hit it off. We both had played rugby. Robert loves rugby. And uh, so I became selected for the slot of Rich Dad Advisor on Asset Protection Corporations. And I started writing the books. And Robert has done very well. He's a, he's a savvy investor. And so I have set up his LLCs for the last 20 years. Um, and, you know, he is very uh, keen on protecting his assets. As you mentioned, he's a public figure. Uh, he, he, you know, needs to protect his assets as, as much as anyone else. And so I have been able to help him in that regard. And in return, I've been able to travel around the United States and around the world uh, talking to people about financial education. It's just been, it's been a great run for the last 20 years with Robert. That's outstanding. And it, it's so important that we do. I mean, people that build large portfolios, there's so much time and energy and blood, sweat and tears that go into it. You, you got to spend the time to properly protect it. I mean, it, it's just, you know what I mean? It'd be so unfortunate to have, have an event where, you know, decades of, of hard work is, um, you know, potentially jeopardized. So well, and that's the, that's the reason for the new book, Veil Not Fail, because you set up the entity and all you have to do is follow these pretty easy rules, you know, a meeting once a year, paying the state, setting up a separate bank account. But if you don't follow the rules, they can go through the LLC and get at your personal assets. And it's interesting. This happens 50% of the time. A case goes to court to pierce the corporate veil and it succeeds half the time, which means a lot of people aren't following these simple rules, uh, which is why I wrote the book. I tell stories of real cases where people, you know, made the mistake of not following the rules, uh, were not properly capitalized, uh, tried to hide assets. You can't really hide assets in, in our country. The courts can claw them back. Uh, so that's the that's the reason for the book fail not fail. So if you have a couple LLCs and you set them up online, you know, a lot of these online services won't tell you that you have these ongoing requirements. Um, so it's important if you have a few LLCs and you haven't paid attention to the corporate maintenance and formalities uh, that you get this book and understand what is required of you. So what are the big things that people need to be aware of every year? I mean, you mentioned the meeting, you mentioned the registered agent. Um, what are the other, what are some other big things they need to be worried about or not worried about necessarily, but making sure they do? Well, Adam, one thing that uh, you see is you have to provide corporate notice. And that means when you have a contract, a business card, a check, it should say Adam comma Inc or Adam comma LLC not just Adam. You want the world to know they're doing business with a corporation or an LLC. When you sign a contract, uh, you need to sign it as president of the company or as manager of the LLC. There are plenty of cases where people didn't follow that little rule and the person that they were dealing with legitimately thought they were dealing with an individual and not an entity. So that's another very simple thing to do, but it's pretty dramatic if you don't. Um, so separate tax returns, 
separate bank accounts. Uh, you need to know the rules about hiding assets. We go through that in the book as well. When you mentioned um, tax returns earlier and single member LLCs, okay. are, are you setting them up as disregarded entities or how many are you just, if you're in a state with income tax and let's say you're making, you know, ten fifteen thousand $15,000 a year in rental income, you know, maybe even 20 to 30, you can get that pretty easily. Um, are you having to file multiple state income taxes as well? Or kind of, cause that was going to obviously increase your CPA expenses. What are people, you know, what should you expect in that front? Well, let's say I own an Arizona LLC and it's, it's then owned by my Wyoming LLC and I generate income in Arizona. Uh, I file an Arizona tax return and I pay income on that money that went through the Arizona LLC. Federally, it's a single member LLC, disregarded entity. So I don't have to file a federal return for Arizona. That obligation flows down to the Wyoming LLC. There's no state tax in Wyoming. Uh, I own the, I know this is kind of complicated, but I own the Wyoming LLC. So it's single member too. So everything flows on to my personal return. So in that situation with an Arizona LLC owned by a Wyoming LLC owned by me personally, I have one tax return, the Arizona state return. Federally, I don't have Arizona. Wyoming has no state tax. I don't have a federal Wyoming return. Everything flows on to my personal return. So there's a way to minimize these tax returns by using single member LLCs. And there's this misunderstanding that you don't have protection on a single member LLC in Wyoming and Nevada. In some states, you don't have protection, but with Wyoming and Nevada, you do have single member LLC protection in those states. No, that, that's good stuff. And I think that's something that confuses a lot of people and potentially stops them from setting up right. the appropriate, but it's, it's, that's why you just need the right people in place. You need the right attorney, the right CPA. You know, the well, and Zach, package. as you mentioned, that those tax return preparation, I mean, they're not that many, but that's also a business expense, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you are following the law. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to file that Arizona return, whether you're an LLC or an individual anyway. Yeah. Let's talk about um, a little bit with uh, kind of real world scenarios, um, not, not to scare people here, but um, because we really haven't seen yeah, thankfully, any lawsuits with with any of our properties or company or anything like this. But I mean, in a in a situation where, um, you know, for the average investor, I mean, what are some things you talked about the external and internal attacks um, from tenants or or anything that could happen? I mean, what are some real world cases, Garrett, that you've seen um, that people just should be aware of? Well, you see the legitimate attacks and the fraudulent attacks. Uh, so let's talk about a legitimate attack. I uh, had a client who, uh, you know, lived in another state. The property management company was supposed to take care of the property. Uh, there was a loose railing and an elderly tenant fell and they sued the LLC that was on title to the property. And the attorney was aggressive and wanted way above the um, insurance limits. Uh, and, you know, the case went to court. And, uh, you know, some juries in some states are willing to award large amounts of money to an injured tenant. Uh, a good attorney plays the, um, you know, it, it's a 
it's like an act. I mean, I've, I've been there, you, you know, as the attorney in the courtroom, you're acting and you're big pulling on heartstrings. What's that? The big greedy landlord taking advantage of the little tenant. Exactly right. It's good versus evil. And, you know, uh, the insurance attorney was a good attorney and uh, they, they finally settled for the policy limits. My client did not have to pay anything extra, but he was worried uh, because he had um, three properties in that LLC. And if the case had gone the wrong way, uh, he would have lost the equity in all three properties. So, you know, that's a real world situation. Um, you have the fraudulent situation where, you know, the FBI has identified a class of people that are professional litigants. You know, they're the type of people who go into a supermarket and they see a puddle on the floor in aisle seven and, and they'll intentionally fall and sue. And that's the society we live in. And we have to protect ourselves knowing that the, these type of people are out there. So you want to, I, I, I just would never hold title to anything in my individual name. When you talk about asset protection, we've talked a lot about the the real estate side, but how can you protect um, yourself and your own family assets? Do you recommend like family trusts or something like that to protect your own assets, especially as people, you know, if they pierce the veil and get to you, you know, how do you best protect your assets? Well, we mentioned, first of all, the living trust that uh, everybody has for estate planning purposes uh, provides no asset protection. It does avoid probate. So it does, it is a good thing to have. Uh, probate is where you have to go to court. The court supervises the distribution of assets and the attorneys make out quite well on it. On a million dollar probate in California, the attorneys get $20,000. Uh, so, you know, it, it's pretty good for the attorneys. And by spending $2,000 to have the living trust in place, you avoid all of that. The living trust says, I know how I want the assets to be distributed. My brother is going to take over when I pass. I trust him and we don't need to go to court. So the living trust is good to have, but it doesn't provide asset protection. The LLC, on the other hand, provides the asset protection. So we have a combination of the Wyoming Holding LLC for all the other ones. The Wyoming Holding LLC is owned by the living trust. Asset protection here, probate avoidance here. So that's a good structure. And the, the living trust, I, I always recommend that you set up the LLCs first because uh, the old joke is you're more likely to be sued than die. And so then we set up the, um, LL, the living trust after that. Um, so, so that's how we like to structure things. Um, and there was a second part to your question. What was that? Um, it was mostly, I'm trying to remember, but it was mostly just about um, whether you should, you know, just oh, personal assets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned with a brokerage account, you would put it into a separate LLC, um, on, on your personal residence. We certainly want to protect that. Uh, the homestead varies from state to state, uh, in Nevada and California here, you can protect $600,000 in equity. So let's say you have a house worth a million dollars and you've got a $400,000 first on it. There's 600,000 in equity exposed. An attorney could reach that. They could force a sale of the house. By putting the homestead on, uh, it's a filing you make with the county, um, pay 20 bucks and it's there. 
uh, by putting the homestead on, you're protecting that 600,000 in equity as against a later creditor. So I would always recommend looking at protecting the equity in your house with a homestead. Again, Florida and Texas are unlimited. You have a $10 million ranch in Texas and a later creditor, if you have the homestead on a later creditor can't get any of it. So certain states are really good for protecting the equity in your personal home. You Go mentioned ahead. earlier, um, I just wanted to touch on this about getting, they get the distributions. You know, if somebody um, gets into your, um, you know, internally, they get into there and they can get the distribution. Does that mean that all of the cash flow that I'm getting from my property that's being kept inside that LLC, I can never um, pull out or else I'll lose it to them? Or what exactly is qualified as the distribution? What it means is when you distribute that money to you, uh, it has to go by court order to the car wreck victim. All right. Now, we don't see too many car wreck victims going after uh, the charging order. Uh, there was a case in Oregon about 10 years ago uh, where an attorney did go after the LLC and, and waited around and it settled for 10 cents on the dollar. Uh, that's a win, you know? Um, so if you have a brokerage account um, in an LLC, say we have a Nevada LLC that holds your Charles Schwab account, uh, you can leave the money in there. You don't have to distribute it. You can continue to invest it. Um, you may find a reason to pay your son uh, some money. Uh, you know, we don't want to do anything that's improper, but, we, you know, we just don't see these cases come up uh, because it's not a good use of the attorney's time. I love it. Um, Garrett, any other kind of last recommendations or words for anyone? I mean, we made it very clear that an LLC is necessary and very necessary from, from the get-go. It's better to just bite the bullet, set it up, use that tax expense. I mean, something that's inevitable, um, not rely on your insurance. You, you recommended a, a good umbrella policy as well. But any other parting words, just because we sum up to the kind of the newer aspiring investor that's getting into the first couple of rental properties or scaling up? Yeah. I mean, we're happy to get on the line with you and talk about our services and the need for an LLC. And, you know, we'll talk about your specific situation. And so you can go to corporatedirect.com and set up a free 15 minute consultation. If you want to speak with me for half an hour, uh, you and I can get on the phone and talk for half an hour and it's $200. And usually in half an hour, we can clear everything up. Uh, we just focus on forming and maintaining corporations and LLCs. So, you know, I'm not going to do a contract for you in New Hampshire. You know, I, we're, we're just focused on that. And, you know, we're going to be continuing. My, uh, my son just graduated from the University of Wyoming Law School and uh, is studying for the Wyoming Bar. And then he's going to come into the business. So we at Corporate Direct are going to be around for a while. I have to ask, Zach, where are you from in Wyoming? Yeah, I'm from Cheyenne. I mean, go nice. Pokes. I graduated from, from Laramie for my undergrad. So, yeah. Great school. I mean, I, we just had such a good time visiting Laramie. What a great little town. Yeah, 7,200 feet. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's high up there. So It's the highest D1 stadium in the country. That's right. You got to everyone suck in air. You have one beer. It feels like you had three. So, <laughs> Hey, Garrett, when it comes to, you know, we've been talking a lot about Nevada and Wyoming. If you live in one of those two states, 
is it better to have the LLC in your home state? Does that make any difference um, or does it just really not matter? Well, if you're doing certain kinds of business, you're going to, if you had a Wyoming LLC and you were collecting rents in Nevada, you'd have to qualify in Nevada. So at that point, I would just set up a Nevada LLC. Um, as a brokerage count, account, uh, I would, I might consider a Wyoming LLC for a Nevada resident just because it's more difficult for someone to go after a Wyoming entity than a, uh, a Nevada attorney going after a Nevada entity. You know, th those are considerations. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Garrett. Really appreciate your time here with us today. For everybody out there, remember it's corporatedirect.com. You can set up a a little 15 minute time with uh, Garrett's team to go over your situation. That's corporatedirect.com. And if you want to have any assets that you actually want to protect, you can head over to renttoretirement.com and see what all we have there. Schedule a time to talk with one of the investment strategists. You can see all of our inventory there. That's at renttoretirement.com. If you have any questions, it's podcast at renttoretirement.com. Podcast at renttoretirement.com. Would really appreciate you leaving a review of the podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. And we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com.